G'day, I'm Rob. And I'm Dave. And you're here with us, dear listener, for the final of the three Doctor Who 60th anniversary specials, The Giggle. This is our hot take on it. Dave, hello. Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. And I wanted to kick off this week, Dave, by opening with something I'd already said out there on X and on Facebook, which is to point out how thrilling doing hot takes can be. You know, I'm sitting here with no idea what you thought about this episode. I have no idea what the rest of the world thought about that episode. I've, I've not gone out there and looked for, for opinions on it. And I sit here thinking, am I about to say something obvious? Or will I say something that the rest of the world completely <laughs> disagrees with and says, are you nuts? I don't know what it will be, Dave. I find it thrilling. How about you? Yeah, I absolutely agree. We're going in without any fan preconceptions or conceptions, any received fan wisdom, nope. uh, without knowing what, what was. We're just going to say what we think. And the great thing about moving back to the Sunday morning slot in Australia is that you can just get up on Sunday morning and watch the episode rather than when it went out on a Sunday night in the UK. And therefore, you'd have to sort of go through all of Monday at work and, you know, mm-hmm. you'd have to try and avoid social media, which you can't really do. And, <laughs> and, and it all sort of became a big thing where a Sunday morning, you get up, you watch it clean, you write your notes, and then you record, and then you go and see what everybody else thought. I've got to tell you, I have, I have notes this week, Rob. I have a, several options for most of our sports desk categories. And I'm going Ooh. to decide that over the course of our conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, no, this is exciting. It's uh, it's the last of the three specials plus one. <laughs> it is. It is. There. Yes, there is one to come. But for the three 60th anniversary specials, this is it. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting <laughs> when we get to the fourth special or the third plus one special, whether they're that distinct. Um, but these are sort of big picture things that we can talk about next week in our mini-season summary episode. Mm, that's right. But Dave, in all those notes, do you have a word of the week? I do have a word of the week, Rob. It is trilogic. Trilogic. My word of the week is flat. That could mean a lot of things. All right, I've written it down. We will talk about it later. <laughs> that's what we try to do with word of the week. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any opening remarks or should we just go straight to the spoiler curtain? I... We'll just say very briefly, I again enjoyed this episode. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed many bits of the episode. It had its imperfections. Mm -hmm. It was maybe a little bit flabby. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were maybe a few things I didn't think quite worked, but there were some things that worked very, very well. And yes, I was enjoying the episode. Look, I was laughing when I was meant to. I was feeling a bit tense when I was meant to. Mm-hmm. I was feeling a bit emotional when I was meant to. All the beats were good. It was a good episode. It was a good experience. I have got a number of constructive criticisms as well. <laughs> All I'll say then is it sounds like we may be in similar territory. Excellent. Well, look, there's a lot of spoilery stuff here. So spoiler curtain down. Spoiler curtains down. And I'll kick us off, Dave because this is something I've been thinking about talking about all week, and it's Wilf, because after the last hot take we did, a listener commented to us on Facebook that, oh, you didn't mention Wilf was at the end of the episode. And as I said to them, oh, look, there's only so much we can say in 30 minutes. I'm sure we'll have much more to say in this episode. But between that interaction and today, there was an RTD clip that came out explaining Bernard Cribben's only scene was what we saw at the end of the last episode, and he literally wasn't going to be in this. It's why they had the dedicated to Bernard Cribbins at the end of the last episode. 
and so on and so forth. So all those spy photos we saw where Tennant was pushing Cribbins around, I thought these were scenes, apparently not. He was probably just pushing him around on the set. I thought much more had been filmed. It hadn't. And they do paper over it well in this episode with a body double and they just get him out of the way. But yeah, that was the last we saw of Wolf last episode. I'm glad we have it. But how bloody sad that he was around, Dave. He attended all these read-throughs. There was more to come from the character. But when the rubber hit the road, he only did that one episode. Yeah, I didn't realise that either until I listened to a few other Hot Take podcasts where people had been a bit more clued into this and had been sort of following the production notes a lot more than perhaps we have. And they, mm. they said that, yes, he was scripted to do more in the third, but he just physically wasn't up to it. Um, and so they just said, no, look, let's just do the one scene, have it really nice, have it really special, and then, you know, call it quits. And so, uh, yeah, that, 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 that was the case. And, and look, there are always things that we don't get to comment on in a hot take. And, you know, we have very strict rules about how long they should go for. <laughs> we have a very, very strict rule that I, I, we've imposed since day one, that no review should ever be longer than the thing it's reviewing. Correct. Uh, so, um, but we do like to make these nice, nice little things. And look, look a, a, again, to plug next week, we will be sort of pulling out some of those things we missed in our season wrap-up. And, and in many cases prompted, I think, by the listener feedback we've had about things we've missed as well. Definitely. So again, if you are out there, comment on Twitter, on Facebook, email us, whatever, and get your comments in on, on this episode or all three of the specials. Absolutely. Especially if there's something that you think we should have talked about but didn't. Indeed. Now, Dave, where do we go from here? I, I'm keen to talk about the toy maker, but I'll throw to you. Do you have something else rather than the toy maker? No, I, I think the toy maker is a very good place to start. It didn't really strike me until he was actually on screen, but Neil Patrick Harris has been in Doctor Who now. Yes. You know, TV's Doogie Howser. <laughs> And um, the guy from Starship Troopers and um, How I Met Your Mother from the first few good seasons. And he was also in the bad seasons at the end, but he was in mm-hmm. the good seasons. Many, many other great things. Um, you know, I genuinely tell... It's a sin. He was great in It's a Sin. And yeah. obviously that's where RTD met him, I would say. Look, a very, very talented actor, performer, great guy by all accounts. You know, um, you know he's, hosted, he's hosted the Tonys. Like, you know, this is this is a big deal. And uh, he's somebody that I really like as an actor, somebody I really actually really quite admire as a person. It's, it's kind of amazing he was in Doctor Who. And it's so, so clear that this part was written for him. They said, right, what can Neil Patrick Harris do? He can sing and dance. We'll put that in. He can do magic. We'll put that in. He can do card tricks. We'll put that in. He yeah. can juggle. We'll put that in. You know, he can do funny voices. We'll put... Like, they just said, right, this is an incredibly talented, versatile actor. Let's just make full use of him. And so I think I will say at the very top, Neil Patrick Harris as the toy maker was fantastic. It's interesting that you've gone down talking about the actor so much there, whereas I want to talk more about the the character. Yeah, well, that's next on my list. Oh, okay. Well, well, that's where I'm going with my, my notes. I think it was a very interesting performance. Yes, on the service, Neil Patrick Harris was very sinister. The, the character has turned the world upside down and we've got social commentary on, you know, people always thinking they're right, even a mention of cancel culture, all that sort of stuff. That's all in there, all good. But did you feel, Dave, that there wasn't much more to the character? It was like a veneer. We get told he's this old enemy. We get some colorized clips. That was quite exciting for about two or three seconds. But it didn't feel any deeper than that to me. You know, oh, look, we're rolling on an old enemy and we're going to roll him off in an hour's time. And while there were some nicely done scenes, 
you know, when his stage setup crashed forwards and crashed down, that looked really good. And when he was using Logie Baird's assistant as a puppet, that was really, really effective. But I didn't feel a lot with... And I don't know whether it's the performance or just how the character's written. And the final vanquishing came off with that game of catch. It might have seemed more like an interesting idea than actually how it played out on screen. How did you feel about the character? Yeah, I'm in a very similar situation to you, I think. Uh, so I really like the Toymaker as a character. I think the Celestial Toymaker is a is a pretty good story. It, it sort of drags me in episode three. But as a kid, I loved episode four so, so much. I think episode two, if we found it, would be really cool. But this is an interesting character that has continued through Doctor Who's history. They've they've tried to bring him back several times. There was the aborted nightmare fair. Gary Russell's done a, a BBC book about him. I think mm-hmm. big, a big I'm no big finish of recast him and had a number of different sort of stories with him. So there's there's always been this thing of you know he's such an interesting idea that we want to bring him back and and finally he is and. The highs were really high. Let's be really, really clear about that. Uh, the, I agree that the stuff in the cold open was really, really well done. The stuff with Logie Baird's assistant and the puppet master, that was amazingly visually well done and a really creepy idea. And, and, and yes, the moment when they got into the, the sort of the hall of doors and they start to understand that reality doesn't work in his world quite as the same or it doesn't work in his world reality is different mm, mm. and I thought this is it great we're finally doing some games the toy maker is now setting some quests and it's going to be said, oh this is really really good and I looked at the clock and I said oh it's halfway through. it's taken half the episode to get to the toy maker games okay well that's fine and then it sort of just sort of disappeared his uh, taunting of the doctor with the death of, sort of his companions I thought that was really cleverly done and really yes. good and that it didn't quite go anywhere but it was it was a good moment but Yes, I did get to the very end where they were playing catch. And I thought, okay, what's going to be the really clever... Oh, he dropped the ball. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that it? And, and I don't quite know what that was all about. Like, did he just drop the... Like, is that is that is that it? I mean, maybe there's meant to be some sort of literary irony that this great, powerful, immortal, elemental force was brought down because he didn't catch the ball and maybe but it didn't really sell me on that what are even the rules of this game can you just throw the ball 10 meters to the left of someone and when they don't catch it you win or do yeah. you have to actually throw it to them or what what is the rules yeah it was all a bit sort of oh, yeah because i was sort of like well how does it work can the, can the doctors just keep throwing it to each other um can it can he take it in the TARDIS and then throw it like I so um and I thought that was maybe something that they were going to do there was going to be some sort of like time portally or this is going to be you know we're going to take the TARDIS to the middle of deep space throw the ball move the TARDIS in a billion light years somewhere else the ball arrived like you know yeah we were going to sort of get to that sort of thing and 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 yeah so you know I wasn't quite sure um you know the, the the dancing around to um spice up your life was really well done because there's a moment you go, this is maybe about to get a bit silly. Oh, no, he's killed people. He's nasty. Okay, good. You know, that's really good. Uh, I like the fact that he shot the Doctor. You know, for 60 years we've had moments of, come on, villain, why don't you just shoot him? Mm-hmm. And, and this guy's like, no, no, I will. So that gave him some really good presence. So, like, many, many ticks along the way. But I don't think he was quite used in the way I expected, the way he could have been. And I did think the defeat was a little bit sort of like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm already starting to think for this quotation mark 60th anniversary of Doctor Who, 
whether they shouldn't have brought the Toymaker back across all three episodes, and it becomes this mounting threat across three episodes, so that the the finale is just oh a big climax to these previous two battles they've already had with this guy, and it's just a really, really big deal. I think that might have worked better as an anniversary concept because because you get people out there when you met when you bring up this topic and say is this really 60th anniversary fodder you get well they don't have to be multi-doctor stories you know you know you can you can just hear the smugness coming off them as they say it and and I always reply well I don't need a multi-doctor story but I need something big and epic and I think maybe having the toy maker as the villain across the three stories and just increasing threat you know, you might even think you've got rid of him at the end of the first one. Then he's back. Then he's back again. That could have been a really interesting mini-series rather than just three wildly different stories to celebrate. I, I get what you're saying, and, and, and I'm open to that. Uh, I'm not sure whether that would have compromised the first two in a way that may have been a bit unsatisfying. And to be really cynical, if we had really built him up so, so, so much over three hours... Would him being defeated by a game of catch be even more lame? Well, well, you wouldn't have the game of catch. Maybe that's how you defeat him at the end of the first episode. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and each time he comes back, it gets harder and harder. I don't know. Dave, you mentioned in that discussion, the doctors tossing the ball between one another. Do you want to go there? Yeah, why not? It's probably the, the, the big point. We, we got the 15th doctor about 40 minutes into the special. Yeah, through by generation and for some time, rumours of the Tenant Doctor splitting off from Shooty have been out there. Indeed, this past week when RTD was quoted as saying, oh, look, I'm doing something crazy and new for Doctor Who, I actually threw it out there on social. You know, if this doesn't point to the rumour, you know, the rumour, I don't know what does. And one of our listeners, Alex Macon, will attest to the fact that he asked me on X, okay, so what's the rumour? And I didn't want to put it out there publicly, so I DM'd him with it. And I hope you're not spoiled now, Alex, because what I told you was absolutely spot on. This rumour was out there, Dave, wholesale for some time. Yeah, I hadn't heard it until midweek when after RTD's comments, a lot of people seemed to just go, oh, well, he's just confirmed the rumour, so we can now talk about the rumour. It's like, well, now that he's confirmed the rumour, it's literally a spoiler, guy. so why, why are you talking about it? But people <laughs> exactly. just, went, just went, oh, no, no, everybody knows this now. Well, I didn't until somebody spoiled it for me. So, um, yeah. and, and, you know, it wasn't one person. Like, this was everywhere now. It was just like RTD sort of gave licence to people just to, like, spoil the episode, which was a bit bit weird. It was an interesting concept. I, I think it certainly made things... A bit different. I think getting to see the Doctors interact with each other was good. Um, it gave Shooty a nice, soft open. And, and I think the fact that we can kind of get that post-regenerative, who am I, what am I doing, what's going on, crap, over with like in 15 minutes with David Tennant. And now I expect him to hit the ground running in his first proper episode. Mm. That's a good thing. I didn't need... David Tennant forever. I, I'm not quite sure why David Tennant is this doctor that always comes back and he always finds another way to be to be there. I didn't need 15 minutes of him having dinner in the garden. I, I just didn't. I'm sure there are people out there that thought that scene was lovely and wonderful. I just didn't care. Um, the, the big thing that I sort of did take away, though, is the doctor or, or the show now has the Avengers problem where 
when you have once you've set up the Avengers, as people would probably know from the Marvel movies, you now have this have this thing where you know if Spider Man's facing an enemy, you now have to have some lines where you go, oh, and this is why Thor isn't here today, and this is why Iron Man isn't here today. Yeah, the Avengers are busy today um, mm. because you're not because they're not contracted for that movie. And I did sort of think, <laughs> well, now any time that the Shooty Doctor is on Earth, you know things get a bit serious. It's going to be like, why don't you go get the Tenant's Doctor? Because yeah. he's just hanging around now. So so I think that's going to be a bit of a problem. And the final thing I'll say, since I'm kind of just, just rolling with this, once that rumor was out there, I did see a lot of people sort of, well, not a lot, some people quite concerned about this idea of, you know, it's changing mythology and everything. And I must admit, as it was happening, I thought, okay, so the David Tennant Doctor is around, but, but the Doctor's defined by who's the star of the TV show. And we know that David Tennant's leaving at the end of this episode and Shooty Gatwa's taking over. So the fact that there is another Doctor out there is kind of irrelevant to me because they're not co-stars of the show. David Tennant is handing over to Shooty Gatwa. Shooty Gatwa is the Doctor. So whatever. Yeah. Oh, and, and look, in a, in a very... I mean, this is a show about time travel. When you're watching the David Tennant Doctor doing something, the Patrick Troughton Doctor is out there doing something else. <laughs> He, he didn't stop existing. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and look, you know, the example's always given that when Patrick Troughton's Doctor is facing the chameleons in The Faceless Ones, William Hartnell's Doctor is literally on the other side of London dealing with the war machines. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. like like So, the, the doc, there are always doc, multiple Doctors out there. Um, this has made it more overt. Um, I, I guess RTD wanted some nice family scenes. I don't know. As I say, didn't... I wasn't particularly excited by it. I wasn't particularly stressed by it either. Like, it happened, we got some good byplay, no pun intended, and then (laughs) Shooty Gatwa took over, and Shooty Gatwa's now the Doctor. Yeah. And look, I've lived with this concept for some months now and gotten very used to it, to the point where I think I even said to Alex, our listener, if it does happen... I'm cool with it. And if it doesn't happen, I'm, I'm fine with it too. I, I, I'm really not bothered. And it does actually solve an issue I thought of at the time we saw that Tennant was back. And then it was like, well, he's only coming back for three stories. You know, isn't, isn't that a shame? Isn't that wasteful? Even if they padded out with some novels or some comic strips, having a Doctor, a whole incarnation for a few episodes seems so very wasteful. But now we have this brave new world where Tenant can come back anytime. We could even do a Tenant miniseries if we want. I understand your point about do we need more Tenant and all of that. All of that's really fun for Tenant fans, although I will say it does seem a little unfair on Shooty that every other Doctor has always had a bit of clear air in this respect, but he's not going to be afforded that. There's always the chance tenant might pop up somewhere or tenant might get a special somewhere yeah that crossed my mind as well i i think that in my mind that was outweighed by the way that we got the post-regenerative nonsense that we always get kind of just dealt with quickly mm. and and look i get the feeling that shooting is not going to be a doctor easily overshadowed yeah two quick comments on the uh the by generation dave tenant got to do the it feels different this timeline which i thought was a nice nod to his father-in-law yes in case Vajrasani. and the way they shared clothes not only was it very funny but it must mean that dave was going commando in those scenes if uh shooty got the jocks you thought about that <laughs> far more than i did <laughs> Fine, leave that there. <laughs> well, well, I was looking and I thought, oh, look, Shooty's got shoes on. Does that mean Tennant's got shoes on? And I was looking to see if Tennant had shoes on. And yes, he was barefoot. And I thought, oh, this is very clever. They've actually, you know, bits of clothing have gone to both of them. <laughs> wow. I look for these things, Dave. I noticed that one was barefoot and I just thought, oh, maybe that's because that was easy to play catch. I didn't even... 
Well done, Rob. You picked that. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it was. Anyway, points from you, Dave. Uh, well, let's let's go with Mel. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bonnie Langford was back. Bonnie Langford was great. I, I think, was she a bit underused? Maybe. I, I don't think she really got a, a proper hero moment, uh, which no. I thought was a shame. I, I think... Like, like, I get that the guest companions are always going to be overshadowed by the Doctor and the actual companion, and that's that's fair enough. I, I just would have liked one proper hero moment from, from Mel. I think it was a shame she didn't get that. But look, Bonnie was back. Bonnie was great. She she walked into the role really, really well. Um, we got, you know, the, the perfect one-sentence explanation, you know, I, I travelled with Savalon Glitz for ages, he died, I came back. Which, in my mind, suggests that Dragonfire was contemporaneous with... Um, the 21st century. I'm not sure if that quite works. Or maybe the space Uber that she got had time travel facilities. I don't know. Who cares? Bonnie's back. Um, it was nice to see her. She was good. Could have done more. That's my point. I, I found it interesting when she sees the tenant doctor, because obviously she's working at unit, and I guess there's been a buzz around the building. Oh, the doctor's coming. The doctor's coming. So she knows this is the doctor, but I'm surprised there wasn't a line like, oh, look at you. Like, just to acknowledge that this was a different doctor, just to acknowledge she hadn't seen this doctor before, something along those lines. It, it just felt like, oh, here he is, big hugs, we're off and racing. It just felt like it needed a line, maybe. Yeah, look, look, I, I get the fact that probably since she started working for UNIT and particularly going to the uh, the ex-companions you know therapy group whatever it was that they would have sort of had that understanding um i I was kind of waiting for a line about i've seen this before i've already had two doctors because because she's one of those rare companions who crosses over two doctors um properly like properly does and so i was waiting for donna to go oh you know he's going to change he's going to be different she's like yeah i've seen this before um I, i thought that was a missed opportunity mm. we, we, we have a whole episode on companions who cross over doctors we do there's, there's a plug we do we absolutely do so yeah look look i thought it was good um quick side question here rob yes did liz shaw have red hair uh sort of strawberry blonde so it's on its way to being red okay so do we we can still count mel as the first redhead then yeah. Okay. So I was worried there was some Lisha erasure there, but no, I'll 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 I'll, I'll take your because you're far more into like fashion and hair than I am, Rob. So I will I will go with your view that strawberry blonde is not red. Very good. I think it also depends on how those old images have been coloured. You know, sometimes the colours are a bit funny in old seventies images. Yes, and I think she also had a wig for at least Ambassadors of Death. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, some quick points, Rob, because we are getting towards sports desk time. Although, look, if we go a couple of minutes later, it's you know it's allowed. It's the 60th anniversary. <laughs> you know, the rules of time are bending themselves right now. Yes. Unit is back. Unit remains pointless and unit remains annoying, in my view. Kate Lethbridge-Stewart is still phoning it in. Um, we now have a big unit towel, which is just so Marvel, it's kind of cringe. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not here for this big modern take on unit. I don't think the new series gets unit. I'm very worried about this idea of a unit spin-off. Uh, did you enjoy Unit, dislike Unit, didn't care? Uh, I'm more on the didn't care in that respect, Dave. Although the line, oh, your father tried to keep this secret. No, they didn't. They went belting around the countryside in Land Trovers with Unit written on the side. It, it wasn't that secret. No, no, that's that's very, very true. I thought that RTD's negativity about humanity came through a couple of times and I've mm. always thought that's a bit of a shame from somebody who's normally so... So Jolly, he, he's just not optimistic about humanity and 
that came through and that was a shame. Uh, I have no idea what the salt thing was and I think that was just a an unnecessary excuse to get the toy maker back into the the universe. I did like this idea though that he he had his own realm and now he's escaped into the into reality, but the salt thing that just made no sense to me, but whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. and we did get a moment of the use of the word celestial be very very explicitly said to be traveling around in space and cosmic, not sinister people from, you know, a certain part of the world, which yes. has always been the, you know, a fan controversy. So, um, yeah, interesting to see it referenced in there in that way. Which, which never should have been a thing because although the episode or the story is called The Celestial Toymaker overall, I think the, the only time they say The Celestial Toymaker, it's meant to be a lowercase c. Anyway, that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down. Y- yes, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, he became or the character became something bigger than he was and and i suspect had we got the nightmare fair he would have been the celestial toy maker with capitals because fan legend just became what it was yeah but originally it wasn't that at all <laughs> yeah no no get, get the point you're making but yeah look look i thought there was going to be some nod to that somewhere and there was yes <laughs> words of the week dave words of the week rob you went with flat tell me why i did go with flat dave because as the episode was ending we're into the last i don't know five minutes or whatever the sense of being flat and even the word itself came into my head and i thought this is really bizarre this wasn't a bad episode or this hasn't been a bad episode it was still going at the time you know i've been entertained i feel very comfortable with shooty already i'm really liking him the whole bi-generation thing. I've had months to absorb, as I mentioned earlier. I'm completely fine with that. I get that Dave is sitting in an English garden having lunch. That's him healing, and he has a family, which is very nice. But if you had a scale of Smithy monologuing in the 50th that he's going home the long way round versus this as the end of the 60th, Smithy's monologue would be up like an eight or a nine, and this would be like about a three. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool, we're, we're done. What's next? And should that have been my reaction to the end of the 60th anniversary specials? So I was slightly flat. Oh, okay. Interesting, interesting. And I will just quickly say, I, I do like a lot of what I've seen of Shooty's Doctor, but if he's going to keep up this habit of dropping lots of dull love, sweetie, I can't stand that stuff. Mm, well, I think it might be part of the character. We shall see. We shall see. Uh, my word of the week was Trilogic. Yes. Uh, look, obviously partly a reference to the Trilogic game. That was mm-hmm. part of the Toymaker's first encounter with the Doctor. It's a reference to the fact I don't think we got anything quite as set PC and gamish as the Trilogic game. It was all about splitting cards and, and ball games, and I thought that was disappointing but also because we have now got this trilogy of stories for this little mini season and it was a perfect trilogy or trilogically of rtd we have got now the rtd light easy to access entertaining opening we've got the rtd darker well-written character driven piece in the middle of the season and we've got the it's the end of the season. Just throw everything out there and throw a few old references to the end. And oh my god, I hope this all works. It's really exciting. Murray Gold, do your bit. Like we've got the <laughs> the, the the RTD season ender in apotheosis as well. Uh, so this is the perfect trilogic approach to RTD's Doctor Who. I like it. I like it very much, Dave. How about a score? What would you give it? Uh, look, I'm giving it a B plus. I think it was more solid than the Star Beast. 
Uh, I didn't think it held together quite as well as Wild Blue Yonder. Uh, and Wild Blue Yonder, I think, remains the one of the three I'm most interested to go back to. Oh, we're in, we're in so much similar territory. I'm giving this an eight. I was entertained by it. It had some good bits. It was perfectly fine, Doctor Who. But it didn't grab me by the lapels and slap my face and shout, I'm a very important episode and you're going to love me. It was just good. Hey, just good in an eight isn't bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shall we go to the sports We days? really should. <laughs> Okay, here we are at the sports desk where we do play of the week, foul of the week, and MVP of the week. Dave, do you want to lead off with your play of the week? I do. And now I've got to make a choice. I think I am going to go with the cold open. I thought the cold open was really, really strong. It was really sinister. It did grab my attention. It wasn't where I thought we were going to go. It was creepy. Uh, it was just a really good grab into the episode. So I had a couple of options, but I'm going to go with the cold open. What about you, Rob? Dave, I'm going with exposition as a concept. There were a few times in this episode it was done really well. And I do want to highlight the puppet show you were talking about earlier with the Amy puppet, the Clara puppet, the Bill puppet, and the toy maker repeating, oh, well, that's all right then. (laughs) Every time the Doctor would make an excuse for how these characters ended up in such a bad way, that really cut through. It really sold the scene. And the exposition was a a part of what was going on naturally in the story. And I thought, spot on. Great stuff. Very true. Keep us going with your foul, Rob. Dave, my foul is also exposition. (laughs) (laughs) There were a few times it was done really perfunctorily or really clunkily. Like when Mel explains herself to Donna or when Kate appears up on the top of Avengers Tower and is walking towards the Doctor and she's like, I fought them all, robots and yetis and clones, but how do we fight the human race? I thought, how is that a real line a a real person would lead with? (laughs) Yes. Rather than just a bit of exposition hiding as something you'd put in a trailer. That was so bad. Yeah, look, that's fair. Uh, And uh, look, I've locked in on my foul of the week as well. Uh, I almost went with the ball game, but we've talked about that. I'm going to go with the angry man wanting to beat up a car because that was just, (laughs) it wasn't a great bit of acting. No. And it wasn't a great bit of dialogue. It was another example of, look, we'll talk about this a lot next week. I've got a lot to say about RTD and this stuff next week uh, when we do our wrap up. But when RTD weaves his message in, he's really, really good, as we've said. There are occasions, though, in this set of, three episodes and this was another example of just i'm going to stop the story right now i'm going to stop the fiction right now i'm going to put the author's message down in really blunt terms and now i've done that we can go back to the story again and and that was an example of this it's like here is my message boys and girls and it's like Mm -hmm. okay that was subtle well done (laughs) and it wasn't even delivered by a good actor oh dear so that was that was my foul of the week all right how about your mvp Look, no shocks here. It's Neil Patrick Harris. He was just uh, amazing. Um, maybe because I'm a big fan of his work and of him generally, that's that sort of come through. I would have loved to give it to Bonnie, but I didn't think she got the moments to sell it. Shooty didn't get enough. Tennant was okay. Um, I just thought Neil Patrick Harris did everything he had to do really, really well. And I'm just so excited and giddy that he was in Doctor Who. 
I thought he was great too, but I'm going to come full circle on Tennant. I gave it to Tennant in the first of the specials. I'm giving it to him in the last of the specials. I think when I see Tennant on screen, especially this older, wiser Tennant playing a slightly different Doctor, I think, yeah, this is just the Doctor. It's so effortless for him. I just believe in the character. I don't see David Tennant playing a role. It's the Doctor, and I'm going to go with that. That's that's really wonderful. And I gave him Player of the Week in our second episode. <laughs> so he's actually won it all three weeks from at least one of us. And given neither of us are particular fans of David Tennant's Doctor, that's, that's a testament, I think, to how impressive he's been. And I've mm-hmm. heard now in a number of reviews and a number of podcasts, other people who are like, look, he's not my favourite Doctor, but he's doing really, really well here. So, yeah, look, that's very respectable. Yeah. Look, to, to summarise, very similar to you, Dave, this didn't intrigue as much as last week's episode, which is why I've got it sitting, you know, 0.5 points below it. But they're around the same level for me, perfectly good, perfectly competent. If they were episodes seven and eight of a 10-part series, I'd be like, gosh, we're getting some good stories this season. But are they, and I ask this again in capital letters, a celebration of 60 years of Doctor Who? I don't think they are. You can say you liked them and it was great to celebrate the anniversary with a good story that you liked and that anniversary stories don't have to be multi-doctor, as I mentioned earlier. I understand that mindset that some people have and I understand why they say it, but did the 60th deserve something more, something that pushed the boat out and wasn't just three adventures for the Doctor and Donna? I think you should play the Doctor Who sting there and throw (laughs) up the words to be continued (laughs) because I will answer that in detail next episode. Alrighty, Dave. And just before we go, there is a Next Time trailer. Have you caught it? I have. It's going to be a big romp, I think, Dave. The Doctor, he's dancing in a nightclub. He picks up Ruby, and then they battle an airship full of space dobbies. You're going to love this one, Dave. We have had... (laughs) We have had typical RTD opener, dark mid-season story, and messy season finale. I think we are going to get... RTD Christmas yes. and I'm ready for it I'm 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 stealing myself for it I've got a couple of weeks to just get back to RTD Christmas specials <laughs> right all right I'll get I'll get there I'll get there you'll get there you'll be fine but until then I've been Rob and I've been Dave see you next time on the Doctor Who show goodbye bye bye